news. This week, we speak to Kent of Wild Animal Sanctuary, who was one of the rescues who took in some of the animals from Tiger King. First of all, don't lose sight of the animals that are behind the scenes of all this human drama. Then, Melissa, who is a friend and colleague of mine, who's the biggest fan I know of the show Tiger King, will be giving her take on it after listening to Kent. It's crazy. It's just, it's crazy. These people are crazy. And then also the poor animals. Like, uh, you know, it's... Hello, everyone. I hope you had a great week. In this week's episode of Pet News, we're going to be diving into arguably the most controversial and most talked about TV show in the world right now. Hundreds of millions of viewers. It just is something insane to watch. Yes, it's Netflix's limited docuseries, Tiger King. Now, as a pet expert, I watched this and cringed following the stories of these characters. And it made me really think, can I find someone normal in the big cat industry to speak to on this podcast that has a reputation enough that our listeners actually can trust? And yes, I found him. His name is Kent Droder. He works at the Wild Animal Sanctuary. This is the place where 39 of Joe Exotic's tigers and a few of his bear cubs ended up. Now, I really wanted to ask him a million questions, but this is going to be about the regulations, what you can do to help in the big cat industry, and how to notify any government agency if one of your neighbors has an illegal tiger in their backyard. So if you have any other questions, we are interviewing other people in the big cat industry around this. Please let us know and let's get going. So my name is Kent Drotar. I'm the Director of Public Relations at the Wild Animal Sanctuary, and I have been associated with them about 11 years. I previously volunteered about twice a week for five years and then was asked to work there um, right at six years ago. So I've been there um, quite a while. Um, I have a pretty good knowledge of most of the operations that take place there. I have a good sense of the history of the organization, um, its 40-year history, and um, look forward to speaking to you and your audience about the work of the Wild Animal Sanctuary, which is the world's largest and oldest um, sanctuary dedicated to rescuing large carnivores. And to give people a visual of the sanctuary property, how many acres is it and what is the average, I guess, amount of animals in one grouping and how big is each, I guess, plot per animal? Okay, so the Wild Animal Sanctuary is unique in a couple of ways. One is um, the way people, people view our animals is from an elevated walkway that's a mile and a half long and it averages about 30 feet above the ground. And by viewing animals from above them, it takes all the pressure off of them as opposed to being at ground level where they might feel threatened by having human beings in their space. But the other thing, and this is what really sets us apart from most sanctuaries, is the vast majority of our animals, um, over 90% probably live in large acreage habitats. Um, anywhere from at our one facility, five to 25 acres, and then at our, at our new refuge in Southern Colorado, which we acquired two years ago, we have habitats that we're building that are close to 250 acres in size. What kind of space were they coming from originally at Joe Exotic? How big of a space do you know? So I didn't um, go on his on the two rescues where we got the 39 tigers from Joe Exotics, but my colleagues who did go on it would say the typical concrete steel cage would be maybe 15 feet by 15 feet. Um, for those who have maybe seen 
the Tiger King video series um, on Netflix, there's a number of images where you see these animals. There's this kind of one small cage area where there's 14 tigers living together, just kind of swirling around each other. They're about ready to get fed. So they're excited. They're jumping on top of each other. And I mean, it's just like someone's living room, it looks like. And the, the thing that the point that I like to make is um, the greater Winniewood property at Joe of Joe Exotics outside of Oklahoma City. It used to be his. He's it's not his now. Um, I think the entire property is 16 acres. And at one time he bragged about having over 220 tigers there. And that doesn't include all the other animals he had, plus the buildings and the exhibition areas and everything. So um, they're just, you know, small cages. Um, I think there were a couple of display areas that maybe had like um, platforms and things and some grassy areas where maybe they would let the animals perform, but that's certainly not where they lived full time. And what is your take on that series? Did you watch the whole thing? I have. Um, and the two points I really want to get across, and I think all of us at the Wild Animal Sanctuary and those who are involved with rescuing animals are, especially with regard to this uh, particular series, is first of all, don't lose sight of the animals that are behind the scenes of all this human drama. Um, it's primarily a series based on human drama of a number of characters that are you know, narcissistic, egotistical, don't think they're all very honest um, in many different, um, different ways. And it's very easy for people to kind of forget about the dozens or hundreds of animals that aren't being talked about. I mean, you see glimpses of the animals and you see a little bit of abuse, but you don't really, it doesn't really flesh out what the life of a tiger is that's used for, for petting, being petted. Um, which is the primary thing that they do down there is they sell um, opportunities to um, interact with cubs. And many of the lions, or excuse me, many of the tigers that Joe Exotic had have ended up at places like um, Dade City Wild Things down in Florida, where people could pay to swim with tiger cubs. And yeah. for, um, a lot of people just, I think, we just don't want people to get lost in all the hype, the supposed glamour, the intrigue around murder and murder for hire and everything and forget about the animals. And the second thing is we always tell people never, ever, ever pay money to play with a cub, whether it's a bear cub, tiger cub, lion cub, or any kind of baby animal, um, captive animal, um, wild animal. I guess I want to be specific because obviously, you know, there's kittens and things, but any kind of wild captive born animal, if you're paying to play with it, that's wrong. Um, because that cub has a life before you're holding it and has a life after you play with it. And that life is never good. And I think that you should explain a bit more why that is wrong, because personally I know, but maybe some of our listeners are like, I really have never pet a baby cub. Like I would love to do that at some point in my life. Now, if they hear from your side, why that's wrong, I feel like that would be very important. Okay. So um, we'll just get it out there right away. Everyone loves baby animals. I mean, they're adorable, they're cute. Then you add a huge, you know, an exotic animal like a tiger or any kind of a leopard cub or lion cub. And there's just, you know, a fascination with these animals that are just so absolutely incredible. Plus you make them cute babies, they're a little bit fuzzy, they make little squeaky sounds and, um, or they're rambunctious and playful like a kitten or a puppy. But the way they end up that way is, and 
it's very graphic and it's one of the maybe stronger points in the series is they are taken from their mother literally as we see in this um the series as they're being born there's this horrible scene where mama tiger is giving birth to cubs and while she's having birthing baby number two the first baby is literally with a hook being pulled across the cage floor area and pulled through a fence and so cubs that are used with people to be played with or to swim with they're all taken from mom at birth or within a day or two for a number of reasons one is um, it allows them from the very beginning to get used to being handled by people but secondarily is because the the mother won't be lactating and nursing those cubs she'll come around into heat quicker and then they can breed her again so it allows for a quicker turnaround time in breeding cubs and when you have a pay to play with cubs place you need a constant supply of cubs because once they reach about four months of age they're getting to be too big and too dangerous for most people to handle and so that's the number one things they're taken away from mom they never um you know get to experience um, they have the trauma of being separated from mom the mother is traumatized because her cubs are taken from her and then health wise lots of things happen they never get the colostrum milk which is the milk that the mother produces over the first couple of days that provides so many antibodies and um, immunological things that help the, the cubs stay healthy. They never get enough vitamin D or calcium, and that contributes to metabolic bone disease throughout their life. Um, and then they're handled constantly. Um, and anyone knows, whether it's a human baby or little animal baby, um, babies need to sleep a lot because their body's still growing and it needs, um, you know, they sleep they just need a lot of rest and to be handled constantly throughout the day, they aren't allowed to rest. Um, they just can't be a tiger cub. They're being handled from one person to the next. And in those horrible situations where people swim with them, you know, these little cubs, you know, they're put in the water and I've seen videos of it and it's out there um, of these little cubs. They kind of flail around just because, you know, instinct kicks in and they got to stay afloat. Um, but they're subject to exhaustion and hypothermia and and that as well, because we all know when we go swimming, we get tired. And if you're in the water too long, you start to get shivery because the water conducts the heat away from your body. So that's just one more thing. And then at four months of age, somewhere around four or five months of age, um, they're too big, starting to be too dangerous to handle with people that are paying um, to play with them. And then who knows what happens to them? Um, they might be allowed to grow and become breeders. They usually get sold off to somebody that has a roadside zoo or just wants a tiger cub, or, you know, the worst cases, they um, get euthanized um, just because there's no place for them. And at that point they become a liability because you have to feed them, but you're not bringing in any income related to them. So it's just, um, you know, it's just such an, a, a wrong life for these animals to be purposely brought into. And, um, for people to get a few minutes of pleasure of holding them. It's, you know, we always encourage people to enjoy wild animals as wild animals, not as, um, you know, stuffed animals or pets that you hold. Okay. And that's good for everyone to know. I think that when watching Joe Exotic at the very end, a very shocking fact comes up that there are more animals in backyards in the United States than there are in the wild. What is your perspective? Yeah, so I think they're that? talking once again about the large exotic animals. And, and we know that there's, no one has a true count because a lot of people don't have to 
you know, fill out a permit like they do in Texas. And so we, but we know there are more tigers just in Texas than there are in the wild. Um, in the wild, they estimate there's 35 to 3,800 wild tigers left. Um, in Texas, there's around 4,000 tiger permits out there held by individuals. And those are just the people that are following the law and getting a permit. But there's probably people that, a lot of people that don't do that. So um, the numbers are actually quite staggering. Um, it's just, you know, we have a very large country, uh, a lot of rural areas. Um, and what we were amazed, um, I think, over the last 10 or 20 years is when we started going back to the Midwest, it's amazing how many bears we have rescued out of corn cribs. Um, bears that people, there's kind of a mindset out there, well, you just have a bear as a pet. Um, and so someone might have two or three acres. You, you, it's usually pretty heavily wooded, so you can't always see what your neighbors are doing. And they might have a corn crib with a bear in it. Um, so, and I think that was one of the shocking things about what happened at Zanesville as well, is that a lot of the neighbors had no idea how many animals he had until he turned them all loose. And of course, law enforcement got involved and, and everything. So um, the numbers truly are in the thousands. Um, pick a good number, I guess, you know, 10 to 20,000 know, large carnivore type animals outside of zoos. And, and that's just talking about one category of animals, these large carnivores. And you never think about, you know, all the reptiles and you know, how many snakes and how many alligators and, you know, how many little primates are just being held by people um, and that. And the sad thing is so many of these animals die because they're not being cared for um, well enough. I mean, I hope there's one good thing that comes out of this Tiger King series is that it's raising people's awareness that this is a problem. Um, it's educating people on what not to do now um, and people not to support. Unfortunately, it's going to also cause the opposite and they'll get way more attention and traction for a little bit um, from the celebrityism of it. But I think at the end of the day, the vast majority of people are actually going to be banding together and helping stop people like that. And be donating to sanctuaries that are amazing like yours. Um, I do love the work that you guys do. I think that you implemented some really brilliant things with the lifted platforms and um, how you care for the animals. No, I think the series is just raising an awareness. Most people would never believe if you tried to describe the personalities involved that people like that really exist and that they're responsible for hundreds of you know tigers or lions or whatever the case may be. So you know, seeing it in a series form like this over six or seven episodes, you realize, oh my gosh, there's some real crazy people out there and they're doing this with animals. So it is going to yeah. be an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, and education is one of the main reasons that it's pretty much the only reason we're open to the public is to keep educating the public about the captive wildlife crisis. So, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. What? Let's dive into some of the regulations around owning these animals. So what are these regulations and who keeps an eye on these regulations and make sure that people like this don't own these types of animals? Oh my gosh. Um, so where do we go? Um, well, first of all, we have um, 50 states. So we have 50 sets of laws. Um, there is no overarching exotic animal law in the United States. Um, so state by state, there's some states that are very strict um, against having any kind of exotic animal. Um, a state like Colorado, for example, and they prohibit the big cats, the great apes, bears, and other, you know, amphibians, reptiles, even things like raccoons and, you know, any kind of wild exotic animal. 
And then the next level of states, and there's a pretty good map out there by the HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States, and it graphically depicts this. But the next level of states are states that ban the great cats, the great apes, and bears. So really the big, large carnivorous type animals, but then they might allow other things like a little kinkajou or whatever, um, or some primates, small primates, um, but they don't allow the uh, kind of the big three. The next level would be states that don't disallow it, but they require you to have a permit. And that's how we know that there are thousands of tigers that are being held by private individuals in the state of Texas. It's because there's that many permits that are out. And they're not permits that are designed to prevent people from having these animals. It's mostly just a way to keep track of them. So they're usually at a very nominal cost. And then finally, um, there's still four states in the United States that have no state level law against exotic animals. Um, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Alabama, and Nevada. So if you live in one of those four states and you live in an unincorporated area, because many of the cities might have laws against it, but if you live outside of a city, um, city boundary, there's no state level law that says you can't have a tiger, you can't have a bear or whatever. So that's kind of the, the landscape, if you will, for the United States. Wow. So, I mean, you spoke a little bit about the health of these animals and why that's important in regulations. Um, the animals that came in from Joe Exotic to you guys, what was their health condition in? And also speak about how many animals you received from them too, because I know we touched on it a little bit, but... Yeah, so we received um, back in late 2017, a total of 39 tigers from Joe Exotic's place and three black bear cubs. Um, we had hoped to get more tigers, but then um, Joe backed out of his initial desire to, uh, uh, there was a, a period of time there in late 2017, after um, his husband was killed, that he really thought he was going to get out of the tiger business. And there was a small window there where he started to agree to give up some of his tigers, but um, he quickly kind of got remarried, kind of got back into his old mode again, and kind of reneged on his desire or willingness to give up additional tigers. So we originally got 19 in November of 2017. We were allowed to go back and get 20 additional tigers in December of 2017. And on that trip as well, we brought back three black bears. So the general condition um, was, um, a general sense of, or general level of malnutrition. Um, nothing super extreme as far as, you know, all kinds of hip bones and ribs showing or anything like that, but certainly a, a degradation of the their fur or coat quality, um, which is very common because any animal, including humans, when you're malnourished, you know, you don't have the protein available for fur and hair and things. And how would you change the industry and all the regulations to make it better for the animals? Um, so there's a number of things that can take place. One would be if every state would just prohibit um, people being able to have exotic animals like this, um, other than um, accredited sanctuaries and zoos and that. So, you know, the, the wild animal sanctuary, we wish we were out of business. Um, it's like most nonprofits that, you know, it'd be like the American Cancer Society or whatever. It'd be great if we didn't have cancer, so you don't need an American Cancer Society to advocate for you know, finding cures and helping people um, that deal with that disease. We would love it if there were no more captive-born large carnivores that needed to be rescued. 
Um, so first of all, it's slowly happening. Um, two years ago, I think it was South Carolina used to be like the other four that had no laws at all. But in South Carolina, two years ago, it was May of two years ago, maybe three now, um, they at least limit the big three. So they pass laws that prevent you from having the bears, the great apes and the great cats. So that's progress. Um, so states are changing. Um, there's a continuous attempt to get a federal law in place, a national law that would prevent having exotic animals like this. And we're getting there. It's just a long, slow battle and everyone has to do their part to look out for the animals that are truly voiceless. Yeah. Um, is there any way, I have another small question. Um, how do people tell the difference between a real zoo and a roadside zoo? Um, on a very large level, I mean, the larger zoos are accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, AZA. Um, but a lot of it time is, it's gonna be the quality of the cages you show up. Um, a lot of roadside zoos are very cheap because they're just, they just want anyone to come in. So if you're, you're paying five or seven bucks, you're probably not gonna be supporting a very quality organization because it takes more than five or $7 to care for animals that way. You know, ask questions. What are they doing? Um, are they involved with conservation, true conservation? Are they breeding animals? And if they have a constant supply of cubs for some reason, and you see something that says, hey, come to our zoo, we have all these animals, and they have some kind of animal experience where you're actually touching the animal, probably not a good place. Um, animals don't need humans to touch them to be healthy. Uh, but, um, so yeah, just res respect them for what mother nature intended them to be is what I would say. Yeah, and if, if let's say someone sees a roadside zoo and they're like, how, how do I report this? Is there anywhere in the USDA where they can be reported on or that just doesn't seem fair to me that there's nowhere that. So the USDA do does have um, a, a form that you can submit to them and they, they'll look into them. I mean, there's, um, they do look into those and sadly, once again, they may look into it and say, yes, there's a problem here, but it's whether or not the enforcement takes place. Um, but the subdivision of the USDA is APHIS. It's like the American plant and health something. I wish I knew it. Um, but if you just put USDA complaint form in, you know, your search engine um, or Google or whatever, you're probably going to come up with it. But there is a, a, a formal form that people can fill out saying the name of the place, where it is, what they witnessed and submit it to the USDA. And then it goes to the appropriate inspector for that facility. Um, and obviously, the more detailed someone is, the better of a complaint it's going to be. Um, if someone just wrote, the animals don't look happy or something like that, I mean, that's not helpful to anybody, but if you can actually document and say that, you know, I saw this bear and it looked like it had a cut on its leg that hadn't been treated or an animal doing this and that. So obviously the more um, specifics, the more detail that can be provided, the more helpful it's gonna be for the inspector. Um, but this has been a really, really great call. Is there any anything else you want to get across in this podcast to our listeners to help I don't, out? Um, Colleen, I would just say, um, you know, even in these difficult times with the virus and the quarantine and everything is don't forget about animals. Um, you know, obviously places need to be supported that care for animals. It's not just um, large carnivore sanctuaries. It might be your local shelter. 
um, just a lot of places, you know, they're going to see a falling off of donations because people are losing jobs or concerned about that. And we just ask the people that have the means to be able to keep helping these animals to do so and to not forget them. Um, there is a lot of, you know, human concern, um, and that's, you know, a very legitimate concern, certainly. And, and a lot of people have to, you know, kind of step back from things. But at the same time, we just ask people to, you know, keep the four-legged and um, scaly and all the different little non-human creatures in mind, and, and we'll get through it all together. Thanks again, Kent, so much for coming on this podcast. We love everything that you do. This is Melissa Curtis. She has worked for me at Pets on Cue for years now, and she is my director of media, runs influencer campaigns, and most importantly, is obsessed with the <laughs> and the drama. <laughs> oh my gosh, so much drama. Well, I came across the Tiger King kind of before it became like this huge hit on Netflix weeks and weeks before everybody else watched it. Somebody sent me a link and was like, have you seen this? And I said, no, it was crazy. And then I was like, what is this show? Yeah, you texted me before I had even heard of it and was like, we need to watch this. We need to get on top of this because we're going to get so many questions, which every single day I have people saying, oh my gosh, what's the behind the scenes on this show? Because you have to know because you work with animals. Like, I want to make it very clear. We have not worked with any of these right. people that are on this right. show. Oh, like, thank you. No, we have not. And we'll, yeah. we'll not. I mean, the whole thing was produced. Like, you of and course. I work in production. We understand that a lot of these things, and the producers doing it, did a brilliant job highlighting the characters and highlighting mm -hmm. their stories and, and over-dramatizing their stories. But at the end of the day, it kind of just hurts the animals more, like when you think of it. Right, exactly. And so, you know, I think it was very telling at the very end of the last episode when they were interviewing Joe and he was talking about the chimpanzees that he kept in cages next to one another for 10 years. He kept them separated and then they went to a rescue and they were allowed out on the grass together. And the first thing they did was just hug each other. You know, and that was one of the only times you see him really kind of looking within at what he has done and what he stands for and how it could have impacted another soul negatively. And yeah. they barely touch on it at the very end for like five seconds. And then that's it. That's all you get. But then you're kind of left with this feeling of, oh, man, you know, and so I just think that it's crazy. It's just, it's crazy. These people are crazy. And then also the poor animals, like, uh, you know, it's, I'm great that all these people are getting their their 15 minutes of fame and you know I'm glad Netflix has a hit and and that's great we all have something to watch while we're on quarantine and talk about but I'm still more bummed out about the animals and I go man you know the animals just lose out all across you know so what do we what can we do what can regular people do number one don't go to roadside zoos right yeah I mean but like how do people know what the right thing to do is there is no one place that it's changing that but I mean but I think the good thing is that you know the circuses and are shutting down because yes. people aren't supporting it anymore and yes. we are changing as a consumer and I think we can change it as consumers Agreed. that these places can be shut down you know but the problem is that now these people are over dramatized that it's going to be a cool thing to do and right. it really isn't a cool thing to do it's when not. you look at the big picture um yeah, like, yes, it's awesome that, you know, you and I get to work with animals all the time, but at the end of the day, it, it's, this isn't, this isn't what we do and this isn't what we believe in. And, and, you know, right. giving back and helping those animals is actually people that we support and help monetizing nonprofits and that stuff. That's right. And I think what people need to understand is, you know, once these animals, these tigers, 
lions, what have you, are raised in captivity, we, they can't just release them back into the wild. So many people I've seen are like, why don't they just set them free in the wild? You can't. Because the reality is, so then we have to educate the public, right? So now there's all this sensationalized drama built up around the show. So now what we can do is use that as an opportunity to educate the public and say, okay, you know, roadside zoos and anywhere you can have an experience where you're touching an animal, riding an animal, or swimming with an animal that otherwise would be, quote, in the wild, probably don't do that because those animals are probably not living their best life, you know? And so that's where I would say to start with it, because there is no governing body to say this is right. And I think it comes down to your personal moral compass too. Like, do you think that this is an okay thing to do? Because if you think about how the animal feels and the animal's perspective, if the answer is no, then don't do it. You know, when I was a kid, I went on vacation with my parents in Oregon and there was a little petting zoo kind of place that we went. And I was, I think, 13 or 14. And there's pictures and home movies of me holding little cubs. I think they're spotted leopard cubs. I had no idea. You know, I, I just thought it was an incredible thing to do. Looking back on that, I go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I should have known better. My parents should have known better, but we just didn't, you know, we just didn't. And so now I do know better. And if something like that presented itself, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't let my kids partake in it. I would be like, you know, that's not something we're about. Those animals shouldn't be, you know, handled by humans. And I think it yeah. starts there. I think people need to start saying no. Because if they don't yeah. spend money on those things, then they will go away, like we're seeing with the circus. And so that's number one, I think, that pe what people can do. I mean, there's also a fine line in between the two. I think that education, number one, like if you know that this is a bad place, don't support it. But there, there are places out there that um, are actual animal sanctuaries. Right. So you know what I'm talking about where yes. you can interact with the animals. However... They say, do not pet the animals. The animal's having its lunch around you and they educate you on why these animals are not meant to be pets. Correct. So, but that's a that true I, sanctuary where they have taken in animals that were otherwise pets or illegally owned or what have you that were already a part of this problem. And this is the solution we have is a sort of in-between place like an animal sanctuary like this where they have these exotics. They're trying to help them live the best lives possible. Also educate the public and also keep money coming in so they can, you know, feed the animals the right diets and keep them in the right habitats, all of which is very expensive. So there are places doing legitimate work and those should be supported, but you need to know the difference between the two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And oh, I think that um, once people start recognizing that, they'll go, oh man, I shouldn't go swim with the dolphins because that sucks for the dolphins. You know what I mean? I shouldn't go to SeaWorld. I shouldn't go to these other places where you can go pet a baby cub two days after it's born. No way. How, how you know, yeah. there, there should be, you know, something there that makes you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining me on this and for binging Tiger King in a day. I always love your opinion and I will definitely be having you back on future episodes. And again, Kent and the Wild Animal Sanctuary team, I could not thank you guys enough for the work that you do. I overall think that this Netflix series, Tiger King, is really shining a light on a huge issue. Yes, it's entertaining to watch. And yes, you're following these weird, crazy characters. However, it doesn't have much to do with the animals, but it does shine a light on it and it will help spread awareness. And Kent did help us with what we can do to come together as a community, whether that be how to report people that have big cats without permits, 
like certain states that are permitted and other ones that are not, what you can do for your own community and country. I think overall, this awareness that the show has brought has been mind-blowing. But it did raise a lot of questions. And people have already reached out and said, well, why can't these big cats just be re-released into the wild? And luckily for you, that's going to be on our next episode where we speak to Nathan Webb, who is all the way across the world in Africa. He's in Zimbabwe and he works in lion conservation and re-releasing. So shoot us your questions, your comments on this episode and for next episode. And if you want us to speak to anyone else in the pet industry or on this topic, so we know what we can do to come together and make the world a better place one animal at a time. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Mm -hmm.